Welcome to the Round Rock Church of Christ Teaching Podcast. We're a faith community located in the central Austin area that gathers at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We hope this teaching blesses you as we become spirit-filled and spirit-led Jesus followers for those who do not have a home. Good morning, church. My name is Sloan Spachek. This is Marlo, my youngest of three. And uh, my wife, Kara, and I and our girls are so um, blessed and so excited to be part of this church. This morning's scripture reading will be taken from Acts 1, verses 1 through 8. In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord for us, church. We say amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. So, Holy Spirit, can you come and do what only you can do this morning? Can you take these spoken words and can you speak through them this morning can we hear you clearly and Lord can you remove any distraction from us this morning so we can be able to sense all the good promises that you have before us in your name Jesus that we pray this amen Just to clarify, if anyone would like to get baptized today, <laughs> we will do that as well. Okay, fill-ins are accepted. Hey, uh, I'm super glad uh, you are here this morning. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love August. I love August because it feels like it is just a starting up season. Uh, people are back. I know we mourn that we're heading to school, but school is starting. Uh, I feel like people are coming back into town and people start to have rhythms again. Uh, I've been praying and I'm looking forward to college football starting again. That's a good thing as well. And, uh, and on top of that, what Clark mentioned this morning, we're starting uh, some work that we believe that God has set before us as a church for the next couple of years. That um, we are starting a series where we are unpacking what we have called our vision statement that we're doing for the next couple of years that we want to be a spirit-filled and spirit-led church for those who do not have a home. And to start off some of this work this morning, I want to spend a little bit of time in the book of Acts uh, for the next couple of Sundays because I want to unpack what the front part of that sentence means, to be a spirit-filled and spirit-led place. Because depending on your experience or your background, when you hear that phrase, spirit-led and spirit-filled, that may feel like a red flag 
to you. Or it may make you just a little bit nervous, or for some of you, you're like, I got to get out of here, okay? And I want to talk about this by uh, naming a trend that has been happening over the past couple of years. It's called the red flag trend. I don't know if you've seen this before, but online, there's been this trend where people have actually identified with red flags, innocent statements that when people say these statements, you should watch out or you should be on high alert. And this actually started with dating. Like if a person who you are going out on a date with says some of these phrases, you should watch out or you should run or you should not continue it whatsoever. And people have expanded it, not to just be dating, but also with coworkers or friends or potential relationships. There's a group that actually collected some of the most popular ones from this past year. And these would be some of the red flags. Uh, when they put pineapple on their pizza, run, okay? Uh, if they use two, two, and two interchangeably, red flag about them. When you hear them use the term soccer instead of football, you should run. If their text messages come in green bubbles, okay, if you don't know what that means, you need to go speak to a millennial. They will inform you, okay? If they've never heard of Dr. Pepper, that was a sin in my household, okay? We always drank Dr. Pepper. And then finally, oh, one more. Uh, if they say, all water tastes the same, okay? My wife wrote that one. And the last one, uh, when they say, I'm more of a cat person. Innocent phrases that you should watch out, or you should look out, or you should run. I know for some of us, when we say the phrase, spirit-filled, spirit-led, it's innocent, but for some of us, we're like, I gotta run. I don't know what the red flag may possibly be for you when it comes to that phrase. There could be numerous of them. I know for some of us, and especially with my background, I just didn't have very much teaching on the Holy Spirit. So anytime I started hearing people talk about the Holy Spirit, I was kind of like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe for some of us, We've had hurtful experiences where people have come to us and have experienced the Holy Spirit in a way that we have not experienced. And it's felt hurtful to us. Maybe for some of us, we've seen people staple their own human agendas with the Holy Spirit. And we want none of it in our lives. Or maybe for some of us, we've just ran into people or denominations that talk about the Holy Spirit more than us. And we're like, they're weird. Okay, I do not want to be like one of those people. There's plenty of red flags that come. And if you will be patient with me for the next couple of weeks, I would love to slowly and biblically walk through some of those red flags and talk about what we mean by that phrase and what we don't mean by that phrase. And maybe more importantly, if the Holy Spirit is involved in you following Jesus, what could it mean for you to be spirit-filled and spirit-led? Because church, the inverse is also true. If we believe and follow the story of Jesus, it should be a red flag to us if the Holy Spirit is never invited into the story that we are living with 
Jesus. Now, one of the first places that I think is most helpful to go to when unpacking Spirit-filled and Spirit-led is actually turning to the place in Scripture where the phrase filled and led is used a ton. Now, um, I've spoken about this before. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I would encourage you to actually turn to it because I'm going to give us some different places for us to rest this morning. In the book of Acts, this is right after the Gospels, Mark, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there is a, a portion of Scripture that talks about the believers of Jesus. And there's this rhythm that goes throughout Acts that they're filled with the Spirit. And immediately after they're filled with the Spirit, they are led to do things like Jesus and for Jesus in extremely crazy ways. And as I walk through this series with Acts, we're going to just camp in this text for a little while. Uh, there are going to be places where I just, I can't cover all of the scripture that is happening with it. So I'd encourage you to bring a Bible with you to be able to mark some notes, maybe on the side, and be able to actually dwell in these scriptures. Uh, I would highly recommend if you've never heard of a study Bible where you actually have lines on the, this bad boy will change your life, okay? You can write all the notes that you want next to it. I actually have a couple up at the front. If you want to come up after service and be like, I would like one of these, or you can be like, this is for a friend, okay? This isn't actually for me. I have a thousand Bibles, but this is for them. I have a couple of those there. Um, because when we come to the scriptures and we listen to God's word, it is so rich. And there's so much behind every single verse that you see written in the Bible. And that includes in Acts. Maybe one way to think about it, um, I had a spiritual awakening when I was eight years old. Uh, this spiritual awakening did not happen in a church. Uh, it happened in an establishment called the Olive Garden, okay? And uh, every once in a while, my family would take me out to Olive Garden, and it was very basic American-Italian food. Uh, but one day, one day, one day, my mother ordered something that changed my life. Uh, she ordered me the dessert tiramisu. Okay, do we know what that is? It's, it's like the most decadent cake that there is out there, okay? And it has just these layers, like it's got this like, it's got this like coffee layer on top, and it's got this like pudding whipped cream in the middle, and then like, they told me there were ladies' fingers in there, which I was a little concerned about at eight years old, but they said they're drenched in coffee, so I was, I was fine with it. But there's like layers upon layers of this tiramisu. I remember every single bite was just so rich because it was full of layers with it. Can I give you a parallel this morning? The scriptures are like tiramisu. Isn't that the most bougie illustration you've ever heard? The scriptures are layered. Some people would actually say every verse you see in the New Testament is a reference and commentary to a verse that is in the Old Testament. This is why the people who would hold the scriptures would say there's a thousand different meanings that come behind a verse because every single time you see a meaning with it, you can turn it again and be able to sense it as well. So as I go throughout this series, there's going to be places where I camp out and I say, hey, here are some places in Scripture that as you sit with Scripture this week, I would go back to these verses because they're actually doing something underneath what you may be reading in the book of Acts this morning. There's some tiramisu waiting for you this morning. Okay, that's, that's what I'm saying. All right, so let's go to uh, Acts 1. 
Okay, so there is, uh, there is this moment actually starting in verse 2 that Luke is going to automatically give us some of the layers that happens with it. So in verse 2, Luke starts it like this. After his suffering, Jesus, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, I want to turn you to the layers that are already happening. Just in the first words of Luke, he is already referencing his previous words. As many people know that Luke, he writes not only the gospel, but he writes Acts as well. And that these two stories are going together. And Luke, just in the first couple verses, is already referencing the previous words that he used in Luke 24 to be able to describe what Jesus is doing. In Luke, writing this second volume, this book of Acts that we call it, is Luke saying even after Jesus is resurrected, the story's not over. There's more to the story. In essence, Luke is saying, Jesus is resurrected, which means there are more for the disciples. I don't know a clearer word for you this morning. That if there was more for the disciples in Jesus' time, there is more for you this morning. You may know all of the stories in the scriptures, and there is more that is there for you. You may find that you have a failure in life and you feel like you're checked out, and God may not have more for you. And the book of Acts says there is more for you. You may have been following Jesus your whole life and wondered, is this it? And the book of Acts says, there is more for you. The resurrection of Jesus says the story is not over. There's more for the disciples and there's more for you. And just in these couple of verses, Luke tells you why there's more for you. He says it's because of the work that God has done in Jesus Christ for you and for us. Luke's going to give you just in three verses. Here is the core statement of what we mean when we say we follow Jesus. I know for some of us, we may be asked the question, you know, what, what's at the core of Christianity? And I think some of us, especially if we were caught off guard, would be like, uh, love, love. I'm going to go with love. Love is at the core. And that answer is not a wrong answer at all. But sometimes it's not the fullest answer. I mean, us saying that, you know, at the core of Christianity is just love, then, you know, that's kind of like describing like Forrest Gump is a movie about a box of chocolates. That's like saying Lord of the Rings is just nine hours of friends journeying to return jewelry. At some point, there's a fullness that we must recognize in the story of Jesus, of what God is doing. It's not just a story of love. It's a story of how God's love is moving and how God's love is actually delivered in Jesus Christ. So four places to kind of rest. I would underline these in your Bible. When Luke is describing God's work in Jesus Christ, said he spoke, he suffered, he appeared, and he was taken up. If you want a really good kind of four places to hang your hat of what has God done in Jesus Christ, he has spoke, 
He has not just made a way, he has spoken into God's way for you to live the best life possible. Same thing is he has suffered, meaning you do not have to go through life alone in your suffering. He shares in your suffering. He appeared. He not only died, but he was resurrected by God's power to say, God saying, this is the one who I'm bringing salvation through. And finally, he ascended. He was taken up. He was enthroned. In other words, Jesus got all the power. He has all the power and all the authority in his life. So when you wonder what has God done in your life, he's done these things. He's spoken, he's suffered, he's appeared, and he has ascended. And as Acts unfolds this morning, I kind of want to give you three foundations just based off of what Jesus has done. I want to give you three foundations as we start this series of why we can be people who are filled and led by the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit. So the first one actually comes with this word right here, ascended, because we don't talk about the word ascended very often. And this is kind of the first foundation I want to remind us of. The ascension is the continuation of Jesus. The ascension is the continuation of Jesus. I, I don't know how you hear the opening pages of Acts with Jesus actually being taken up, ascended. I always kind of, when I heard that story, it always kind of felt like to me a little bit like how Jesus leaves the disciples is kind of how a parent leaves a kid at camp. Like it kind of feels like Jesus is like, all right, I'm leaving now. Okay. All right. Make friends, drink lots of water, don't get hurt, and I'll be back at the second coming. And that's what the ascension kind of felt like to me. Is like Jesus leaving? Is he leaving the scene? See, like, man, that was rough and I am done from there. The ascension is not the end of Jesus. It's actually the continuation of Jesus. The ascension is actually the best news in our life. Because Jesus says, not only will I just be a person who is limited and confined by one certain place, but I'm actually going to be everywhere. Let me show you a place to uh, write next to your Bible in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 8. This is what Paul actually tells a group of believers. And hold on to this one. Like, listen to it very closely. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. And he gave gifts to men. Now this. All right, this is the ascension part. Now this. He ascended. What does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descends is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he may fill all things. Other translations say, so that he may fill the whole universe. The good news of Jesus Christ is not that Jesus said, Hope y'all can handle it. The good news of Jesus Christ is that Jesus is not going away from us, but that Jesus is actually going to work among us in a more unique way. It's not that Jesus can be found nowhere. It's actually that Jesus can be found anywhere. And you may ask, then how? 
How can Jesus be found anywhere? And that is through the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the continuation of Jesus' work. When Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit descends. The second thing I want us to hold on to is that the Holy Spirit is the partner in the promise of Jesus. You know, I don't know how you tend to think about God. Christians usually use uh, this phrase that God is three in one or the Trinity. Um, and I think a lot of times when we talk about God uh, being three in one, we kind of think of God. Some of you want me to sit on this and I'm not going to. OK, I've seen your eyes. You're like, he's going to sit on it. I'm not going to sit on it. OK, um, some of us kind of describe God in this way. We've got a creator God. That's the big wheel. OK, and then we've got I'll, I'll bend down for it. Um, we've got Jesus, the son. He's a really big wheel. And then when we get to the Holy Spirit, we're like, mm, that's right. Um, Holy Spirit. He's kind of like a tiny wheel. Like he, he helped the church take off in the very beginning. That's what we needed him to do. And we got it from here. Like we're good. We got, you know, God, the creator, really big. Jesus, massively big. Holy Spirit, really tiny wheel. That's usually how we describe him. But I guess the thing I want to point us to in that line of thinking is that wasn't Jesus' thinking. If you want to ask yourself about the Holy Spirit, the first person to actually go talk to is Jesus himself. Jesus did not treat the Holy Spirit as training wheels. Jesus found the Spirit of God to be the fundamental thing when it came to his ministry and his life with God. Now, here's a couple of scriptures. I want you to be able to put beside your Bible. If you walk through the life of Jesus, you will find you don't even have to walk through the life of Jesus. You can't get through the first two verses of Genesis without the Spirit being recognized. Even before Jesus shows up on the scene, the Spirit is in work of the birth of Jesus. Then you find in Luke 4, when Jesus starts his ministry, it's literally Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Luke describes Jesus being filled by the Spirit and led by the Spirit. You have other moments in like Luke 10, where it says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit is ministering to Jesus throughout his life. Even in Hebrews, describing this suffering of Jesus, Jesus was able to go to the cross because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Jesus partnered with the Spirit. And even as I say that phrase partnered, that still doesn't quite get at it. Because Christians have recognized that the Holy Spirit is God. Maybe to think about it in another way is maybe we need to level up from the kind of training wheel view of God, and maybe we need to level up to one of these bad boys. Have you ever, you ever ridden on an aqua bike before? Game changer. If you don't think you're powerful, ride one of these. Okay, you are powerful. Every wheel is the same size. Every wheel is important. All three together, extremely powerful. Maybe the way to think of God is that God is creator God. He is the son, Jesus Christ. And he's a spirit. Even Christians, very early on after the resurrection, when they were trying to figure out what are we claiming about God, they didn't say it was optional or extra. 
when they actually baptized early Christians, they confessed that I believe in God the Father and Christ the Son, who is the Lord, and I believe in the Holy Spirit, the giver of life. Aquabike. And not only... I <laughs> know that one really got me. Aqua bike. It's real though. Think of it. Think of it. Think on it this week. Not only did he partner, but he also promised the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, if you want to go back to Acts with me, Jesus says, I want you to hold on. Hold on. Don't go anywhere. Don't start serving yet. Don't do it. In verse 8, he said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the way to the ends of the earth. Jesus is fulfilling what he's already claimed at the very end of John. At the end of John's gospel, before he goes to the cross, he literally says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. I don't know about you, but when I hear this, I'm not sure I believe Jesus. Kind of feels like Jesus is like, hey, you've got me now in person, but like when I leave, I'll FaceTime you. I'm like, I, I don't want the FaceTime. I want you. But Jesus actually tells the disciples, no, no, no. Oh, you want the Spirit. You want Him. Because He's good for your life. That the Holy Spirit is a gift in your life from God to you. Look, I know for some of us, when we talk about the Spirit, some of us, it, it makes us extremely nervous or we're kind of just like, can we just move on? And I understand the nervousness because there have been people who have used the Spirit in some really abusive or misused ways. And we should recognize that. But also, we should take the words of Jesus very serious that Jesus says, it's good for you. Like interaction with the Holy Spirit is good for us. And when we say, nah, I'm good. I'd rather not. We're questioning the goodness of God. Because Jesus says this is good for us. That the Spirit will help us. Which if we're in that place, then it brings us to the third fundamental. We open ourselves by not closing ourselves off. As we start this series, maybe one of the questions is just asking, like, are you open or are you close? You know, I know for some of us, and I had a season in my life where I would say this, when people brought up the spirit, I'd be like, well, that's fine for us to talk about it, as long as we don't go too far. And I didn't know what too far was, but there was some type of too far. As if the scriptures do not talk about the spirit like wind that the Spirit blows wherever the Spirit desires. And we have to ask ourselves, are we open or are we closed? That's the question. One point to us, even the disciples, when they hear of the Holy Spirit, they have the same instincts that you and I do. Like literally, in verse 6, this is the first thing they say to Jesus. They're like, uh, then they gather, gathered around Jesus and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time? Hey, that was, that was awesome with the Spirit and everything. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. You know, some people have heard those scripture and they're like, how can the disciples ask such a question? 
They speak harshly of the disciples. And I, I don't read it that way. The disciples, they're leaning on the scriptures and the promises of God. They're like, hey, like we've been waiting on this. This promise is happening. Are you going to bring it through Israel? And Jesus' response is, you're getting stuck on logistics. I'm going to do what I've promised I'm going to do. But I'm going to do it in a greater way than what you can probably imagine. Do we believe that God can work in greater ways than we can imagine? Are we willing to be open to what God may be wanting to do in our lives through the Spirit? If you're like, be very clear for me. What does closed off mean? Closed off could mean this. You're a person that anytime you hear it, you are way more critical than you are curious. Closed off means that we spiritualize our preferences and we say, this has got to be the way it's done. Closed off means we only expect God to work in the ways that we have experienced in the past. And those are the only ways God works. Or closed off means that we want to control our lives more than we want to surrender our lives. Every time we ask, come Holy Spirit, we have to also be ready to go with the Spirit. And sometimes that's a really hard question. Maybe I can uh, finish with the story for you. Um, I, uh, uh, growing up, my grandmother and I used to have this game that we had played together. We called it Sunday morning. And uh, what we'd do is we'd move the whole living room around uh, and we would make it into a church auditorium. And uh, if you're like, how do you ever become a preacher? This is probably how, okay? Um, my grandmother would sit me down. She'd be like, all right, time to do church. And she would sit right in between Shamu and my beanie baby, baby pig. And I would lead the service, okay? We stole psalm books from the church. That's right, we did it. I confessed it. We stole psalm books, okay? We'd sing two songs, okay? Two songs. And then I'd preach a really bad sermon, okay? And then after that, we'd pass around a Pop-Tart, okay, and some Dr. Pepper, right? Right, some Dr. Pepper. We wouldn't actually use the elements. That would be terrible. And then the last step is she would give me a basket, and she'd be like, go around, go around, go around with the basket. And she, she knew what she was doing. Anytime I led a song she didn't like, when I got to Mr. Whale, he wouldn't give anything in the offering. And she'd be like, mmm. Yeah, Mr. Whale's not offering anything today because you didn't sing Trust and Obey. And then the end, she'd be like, go to the back. Go to the back. And one by one, she'd throw the animals out, catch them, and I'd ask them how they're doing. <laughs> and every time I'd be like, how's Mr. Whale doing? She'd be like, oh, same-o, same-o. Catch Beanie Baby Pig. How's Beanie Baby Pig doing? Oh, Beanie Baby Pig's just trying to survive this week. And we just do it over and over and over again. And you know what we do at the end? We go put all the animals back there and we do church all over again until she got tired of it. And then we'd be done. That was Sunday morning. Can I tell you, I'm still tempted to play church sometimes. Just kind of come in, do the routine, kind of live like the same-o, same-o, 
come in. I'm just trying to survive this week. Like, I, to- I totally still feel that. Like, there's some weeks where I'm just like, you know, I'll go through the routine, but if I'm being quite honest, God in the equation, God out of the equation, I'm kind of going to do what I just want to do with my life. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, the greatest gift the Holy Spirit can give us as a church is He helps us not play church anymore. He breathes, absolutely, praise Jesus, He breathes life into us. He moves us out of our routines, not because He's mean, but because He's good. He breathes life into us. Church, if you come here this morning and you're just thinking, I'm just trying to survive, or if you're thinking, life is the same old, same old, I invite you over the next couple weeks to consider the Spirit of God and maybe just ask God this week, are there new ways you want to work in me that I didn't know before? Uh, John, I'm going to invite you up to do a blessing here. Let me pray for us as we start this series. Uh, So Spirit, I, I felt challenged with the question this week if If you left, would anything in my life change? If you were gone, would anything change? God, can you help us examine that question this week? Spirit of God, we want to mean the words that we sang this morning, that we want you to come, we want you to breathe new life in us, you want to reveal the Son to us, you want to help us, be more like Jesus, and also tell the world of your name. Jesus, we believe that you are enthroned, that you ascended. Lord, we want you to be Lord of our lives, but we got to have help because it's hard to do it. Pray this in your son's name. Amen.